0: Jackson. it is the Chicken Coop, episode five. How are you, sir?
1: Well, we're lucky to be alive. Toot, toot, here we go.
0: Toot, toot, motherfucker. We are back. How are you going, buddy?
1: Yeah, had a great week. Just been up in Bendigo all day today and uh, looking forward to the next couple of days.
0: And what have you been doing up in Bendigo, mate?
1: Uh, flu vaccinations. up uh, there at, uh, at uh, the Bendigo Racing Club and also at the Bendigo Club and uh, doing a number of them all over Melbourne all this week. How do
0: you how do you sort of get connected with that? How do you end up in these places? Do they they just find you online? Yeah. What do they do?
1: Oh yeah, look a lot of it's just in my networks and uh, you know, people I know. I've got some great nurses, um, both in Melbourne and now one in Bendigo. Um, she was fantastic today, Kim. And uh, you yeah, know, I'm a very lucky man to have such a great team.
0: It sounds like it, mate. Hey, it's been a uh, it's been a massive week. Lots of lots of things happening, lots of big stories, lots of you could call them big results, but uh, let's uh, let's have a bit of a look through the uh, the week that was in round eight on Friday night. We had uh, the Carlton Blues through the Brisbane Lions. Lions beat them uh, hundred to seventy four. What was your uh, your take on that game, mate?
1: I think the biggest take out of it was one, two things. One, Brisbane I thought looked way better than I thought they did last year, and certainly looked capable of playing in the grand final at this stage. Not saying they will, but they certainly played. showed me that they've got a lot of maturity about them this year. And look, Carl, I don't read a lot into it like everybody else, because look at every team that's gone to Perth and come back, how they've performed the next week. Um, and they went to Perth the week before. They come back. The long flight, when your body's not used to it, takes its toll, and they look exhausted in the second half.
0: Yeah, yeah that could be certainly playing a factor into it. Uh, on Saturday, we had the Tigers and the West Coast Eagles. The Tigers gave them a thumping, hundred and four to fifty-eight.
1: Yes, yeah, so I put that in my worst ten games of all time, and the other <laughs> six were actually the six that followed, basically. What? Why would
0: you? Uh, why would you? Up. What? What was the specifics of nature of that game that, that really uh, got up your nose?
1: kicking for goal in the first half, and just can't even hit a teammate ten meters away. I mean, where's the game got to? I I'd, I would love to go. To a press conference after the game and I'd ask two questions that the media have never asked. One, explain to me as a spectator who's watching a game or a member of a club why you play this ridiculous going round and round in circles, handballing backwards, handballing 20 times and then kicking through a, a um, pack of players. Why wouldn't you kick it out into space so at least if it bounces in front of your teammate he can run onto it or he gets it on his feet or on his chest. Um, and please explain to me this how do you reckon you coach today? Not one media person in 150 years has asked the coach, how do you think you coach today? Yeah, It's the most obvious question to me, and it never gets asked.
0: Speaking of coaching, I mean, what, where do you see Hardwick now? You know, the um, the Tigers have been up and down, obviously. They're rebuilding. Skills are obviously a question. What, what Do you think he's the man for the job? Do you think he's got the support at the club?
1: Well, look, I don't think anything, changing anything in the middle of the season is going to help at all. In fact, I think if anything, it has an adverse effect on clubs and players and everything else. Um, I keep hearing little noises that something else is going on there, but it's more off the field and internally that's creating some problems. But at the same time, you know, the onus has to be on the players. Um, the players that they've said we're going with this year, well, it's on to you to have to perform. And I think this week's game against Geelong, it's a do or die. They have to win and they have to show that they're you know got the sort of. Strike power that they used to have that can win a finals game.
0: Do they have the cattle now to develop, or is this going to be like a like a real recruiting sort of pipeline where they have to go through and they're going to have to go through that over the next few seasons and rebuild that right list?
1: I think what they're lacking is giving the responsibility to some of the younger players. They're still relying too much on the Grimes of this world, the cotchins, etc., the rewalts, etc. And look, they've been absolutely sensational players, but. The time has come to just say, no, move over to a half forward flank, move you to a wing like they did with Selwood last year at Geelong, put him out in the wing, you know, put some young players into the centre of the ground, got 10 to 15 games into them before the finals. And maybe the time has come this week. You know, do you roll the dice and go with the old tried and true? And if it comes good, well, great against Geelong. But if it doesn't, well, it's time to turn the bucket the other way and start playing these young players in the key positions.
0: But in this day and age, can a coach risk his season because i mean at the end of the day if you if you know okay we're not going to win the flag this year with with our list or with our skill or whatever it's going to be now what i'm going to do is i'm going to push some of these inexperienced players into sort of more sort of semi-leadership roles push my leaders into mentoring positions and i'm going to just let these guys learn through the aggregate of experience now that might end up with the tigers getting smashed 15 games, 16, 17 games through the season. But can a club or can a coach actually make that kind of move without it turning on him?
1: Well, it's simple. A coach has to decide, is he coaching for himself or is he coaching for the future of the club? And I think Damien Hardwick is a strong enough coach to make the decision that he's coaching for the future of Richmond. And if that means at the end of the year he stands down, I think he's an excellent coach. Um, I rate him up there as good as Clarkson. And I think he's proven that, and he'll prove it again.
0: Well, I mean, just while we're on Hardwick, there's been a um, a little bit of a uh, call it a walloping in the uh, in the media. His old uh, teammate Corns, uh, Kane Corns. He um, what's the tweet he put out? If a top four side concedes thirty two inside fifties in forty five minutes of play, it means you've got ahead of yourself. No other explanation. Okay. So
1: I think what, what Damien did was just hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think people have got to the point where they're sick of the clickbait crap that comes out of Cain Corns' mouth. I am. Um, you know, it doesn't mean I can't be a friend of his, doesn't mean, but it doesn't mean he can't accept criticism. And, you know, this clickbait crap, he's just the new Caroline Wilson as far as I'm concerned. They don't have no credibility in the game, and no one wants to listen to this rubbish.
0: Yeah, its uh, hes he's becoming a fairly divisive and polarising person in the media, isn't he?
1: but he loves it like Caroline Wilson they love the hate they love it they see that as a slap on the back and everything else I see it as doing nothing for the game I don't see that there's any credibility what he's saying in respect to just bagging people all the time. how about you come out and actually say this week I thought the best young kid I saw on the weekend was this I thought the development I saw in this, this team was the great you know say some positive things for once yeah
0: yeah well I mean I guess it's uh, bad news sells eh yeah
1: um, that's
0: it so um you know, moving on from that game, we had the uh, Cats playing the Crows. The Cats gave them a bit of a bit of a touch up, ninety eight to seventy two, twenty six point margin. Cats are holding pretty strong.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a nothing game. I mean, the thing is, I saw every game this weekend, first time in probably five years, because um, I had a free weekend, and uh, I thought it was just an absolute nothing game. I didn't think either either team impressed me at all. Um, just I think most teams on the weekend look very tied, and that does happen around sort of. Round seven and eight, around that sort of time of the year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, um, moving on, you know, with the, the Suns versus the Demons, Melbourne got up by five points, you know, a bit of a tighter margin there.
1: Yeah, look, I think most people would agree the Suns had their opportunities but didn't take them. There was a, quite a few games like that. But the team at the moment that just has the consistency is definitely Melbourne. And to me, that you know, if you had to declare the team to beat at this stage of the year, it's probably Melbourne. Um, but there's a long way to go. You only have to lose Gorn, you only have to lose Petrarca or Oliver or someone like that, and it changes everything.
0: You you reckon they've got what it takes to go all the way this year?
1: Well, they've certainly got the key backs. They've got the run off the half-back line. They've got one of the best midfielders with Oliver and Petrarca, who's got the match-winning qualities. And Gorn and uh, Brody is uh, working really well. And um, uh, Gundry, Gundry, what's his name again? The Ruckman? Um, uh, Brody Gundry. Um, He's... uh, You know, they're combining well and, you know, especially when Gorn goes forward, he looks very dangerous to me and uh, the best thing is they're able to rest him for the next 10 weeks by playing him forward and then when we get to the finals, you might say him play more in the ruck and the other way around. Yeah, right.
0: Western Bulldogs, 86 to the GWS Giants, 71. How how are the Bulldogs faring at this time of the year?
1: I was talking to a Bulldogs supporter in the street just an hour or so ago and, um, you know, he said, what do you think? I said, well, the thing is, is that they're just coming along, whereas last year they were going backwards at this stage of the season. So I think it's a good sign. Um, no one's declaring that they're going to play in the grand final or anything like that at this stage, but I did suggest they could be the big outsider at the start of the year. I haven't changed my mind on that.
0: Okay. Mate, uh, over in the West, Fremantle gave Hawthorne a bath. 69 points, 117 to 48. That's a, that's a a big margin.
1: Well, the big thing that came out of that game was, well, about time. And can you repeat it next week? And they've got a big game this week, Fremantle. And a big chance to prove to everyone that they might be turning the corner around again. Because I reckon one one more loss in the next two weeks and it's all over for them this year.
0: So you, you're saying you think it's consistency now is the key for them?
1: Well, yes, and look, they played as well as they played, but they only played the second bottom team or the bottom team, and um, you know they have to show it up against teams well above them. That's for sure in the next five weeks. Yeah, right.
0: Uh, Port Adelaide 97 to the Bombers 87. It's a five-point margin. It's another fairly close game within a goal. I
1: thought the Bombers were absolutely fantastic in the first uh, sort of two quarters, and their foot skills were probably the best of anyone I saw on the weekend. I would be very excited if I was an Essendon supporter. They have got some great key position players, which most clubs don't have. They probably need a little bit more leg speed through the midfield, but uh, they're developing some developing some key backs as well. People forget that three years ago, they had five picks in the top 20 in what was regarded by most experts as the best draft in the last decade. So if I was a bomber supporter, I'd be being, getting pretty excited.
0: What, what's your assessment of Brad Scott so far?
1: Uh, look, I've always been a Brad Scott fan, but not a fan of the way he used to conduct himself in the box. You know, in games with the camera on him and that the players would see that in the replay and quite damning of players and all that. But I thought his coaching, actual, you know, his his way, his, his uh, tactics, etc., were very, very good. And when he went to Western this year, I only thing I questioned was what has he been out of the game too long? Um, but to his credit, I think he's, he's shown that uh, he definitely can apply the right things. And look. Craig Bozzo also, who used to work for me, went to the West Coast Eagles as the new football manager there. Craig's a very, very good operator, and you've got to have someone in charge of the whole club on a football perspective, not the CEO, the football side of it, who brings everybody together, and he does that, Craig Bozzo.
0: Mate, can an, can an administration of a football club get in the way of a coach winning a premiership?
1: Oh, look, it comes down to personalities, and you know, most, most coaches, I'd say... In fact, all of them, from what I can see, have got very strong personalities, and they're not going to be dictated to by someone. But they can be coached. And look, Alistair Clarkson was coached by Chris Bagan. He used to sit in the box and say every time Alistair jumped up or got to excited, grab him by the back of the jumper and pull him down. Sit down, shut up, just keep calm, just be calm. We need you to make a smart decision in the next couple of minutes so we get this game back on track. Yep. So you've got to have a coach of the coach is in the box. And people don't realise sometimes who that is. And it could be a bit of a, when I say a nobody, I'm not discrediting someone, but just more, not a high-profile person, I suppose, can sometimes be that person. Because in my mind, the word coach doesn't exist anymore. You're actually a teacher and a good teacher. And this is why Alistair Clarkson, 11 of his 17 assistant coaches had teaching degrees. Why does he think that's a really important thing? Because um, it means that if you're coaching Dustin Martin and Cochin. Um, they're both not the same and you've got to know how to handle them and the way they mature and everything else You can't treat each player in the list of 50 the same way because it just doesn't work
0: with all of the different Coaches that work under the head coach is the is the senior coaching position become more of a team management position?
1: Correct. I, I think I, it sounds funny the words I'm about to use but they're a player manager these days You know, it's all about managing the player understanding how he's traveling each week some players will be up some will be down some will be mentally disturbed and others will be high as a kite. And, you know, others get out on the ground too excited and used up too much adrenaline before they get out there. Others haven't used up any and need to wind it up. and It takes them a quarter and a half to get going. So you've got to manage players. You've got to understand how they work. You've got to understand what buys them up. You've got to understand if they're having a down day, is it best to take them off the ground or will that make them feel that they're, not, they're underachieving and they're letting the team down? So there's all those sort of things you've got to understand as a player-manager. Yeah, coach—they call it—but it's—I don't like the word coach anymore.
0: Does with it with a head coach? Does the head coach in in all modern teams have the ultimate say when it comes to recruiting? Are they a part of that, or is this something that you know this is a part of the administrative or operations arm of the the club, where the coach gets an input, but they're not really driving that. Like, to what extent is the coach really at the helm? of how this football team is produced for the next generation on the field.
1: No, uh, most coaches now give responsibility to certain aspects of of their uh, game plan/development uh, etc. so you'd have a recruiting department who um, they make the decisions.
0: Are they answerable Look, the coach, to the coach though?
1: Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. Okay. In fact, most people would be surprised these days it's the other way around. Yeah, right. That, that they make the decision because that's what their job is. Otherwise, why would you have them in the job? If the coach is going to say recruit this player and he hasn't even seen him play, doesn't know where he plays, doesn't know what he does, then how can you have decision makers who, who are put in that in that position of um, you know player recruitment?
0: Yeah, good point. Hey, um, it started off as a pretty low-scoring game until the end of the third quarter, but then last quarter Magpies got... Got the jump on the Sydney Swans, end up beating them by 29 points, but it was it was pretty neck and neck through most of the game.
1: Yeah, oh, look, I thought Sydney should have been three or four goals up, and I think most people would agree, and they wasted so many opportunities early in the third quarter. Um, but that's not to say the Magpies just get the job done all the time, and you know, at the end of the day, they're getting it. The, what, what I really noticed is you can take it up as much with Dacos as you want, but you just let Pendles off the hook, and when you're tagging him off half back. Um, and you leave Pendles on his own, or fast forward, sorry, Um, and Pendles is just doing his own. He he just took Collingwood back into the game, and you don't see some of the stuff he does. It's just amazing, and he's so good and clever at what he does.
0: Well, even uh, Dacos was saying in one of the interviews, he said, mate, we love it when I get tagged.
1: (laughs) Well, I think they do, and I think Pendles knows that that means he's free to go, because they're trying to basically close Dacos out with two players, so someone's got to be free, and, you know, it's not a risk that I would take as an opposition coach, that's for sure.
0: Mate, is is there is there room in a lineup to tag two players?
1: Uh, look, I think these days tagging players is very hard to do because a lot win possessions around the back of the football. They run around the back and get the football. It's what they do with it. And Dakos has got exceptional foot skills. also has two, but not as penetrating probably. But and he's very good both sides of his body. So the one thing I did notice about Collingwood on the weekend was all a lot of their players that run with the football have got very very good skills and good timing and they just know where to place the football and and that is out in front of their teammate not up to packs like you know I saw a lot of games on the weekend kick to packs of sort of 10 to 12 players all contesting the footy 30 meters out from goal which always ends up with the defensive team able to run forward quickly
0: yeah well and then the final game for the round uh, North Melbourne versus St Kilda North Melbourne mate with a final score of 34 against St Kilda 64 34 in a modern-day game, it's mate, that's pretty hard to, pretty hard to take.
1: Oh, look, I just thought... It, I, I actually wanted to see that game as the last game of the week and then I basically got the half-time and turned it off and just kept flicking back to it now and again while I was watching the, the coronation. That was more exciting. and There was more kicks in the coronation than there was on the <laughs> St Kilda North Melbourne game. Yeah, you know, I just thought it was one of the worst games I've ever seen. And that's saying it's a fair bit for a club I used to play for, but... You know, once again, the foot skills were deplorable in front of goal. I mean, how when you're playing in a stadium with a roof on and there's no wind, how do you miss so many goals in a row from 30 metres out directly in front? Um, you know, it's just... One thing I did notice is the amount of players who take little steps leading up to when they go to kick, and then their last step is a quick step and they kick it and it always hooks or goes sideways is the whole idea with kicking is to get momentum. So take leg speed up to when you kick and stretch your legs out so that your leg gets stretched when you kick. You don't kick with a bent leg after taking small steps. It's not rocket science, but these professional footballers just have not been told the right way.
0: So it's not Fred Flintstone in the bowling alley, it's more Dennis Lilly on the run-up, right?
1: (laughs) Correct, it should be more like Dennis Lilly, but also at the same time, it's all about brain training. And you go ball drop kicked through pointed toe, you know, you train your brain to do it. And, and to me, most of them are more worried about missing than actually focusing on just brain training and autom- automation where you come into an automatic system. You know, they're more worried about missing for goal. And the more you worry, the more you miss.
0: Well, the, um, the ladder after eight rounds has got Collingwood on top on 28 points at seven victories in eight rounds. Um, According to, uh, according to the chicken, that's probably around about, what, eight games, maybe nine go- games shy of um, top four?
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, look, they're in a great position. And, you know, unless they have a really sort of losing role of, say, five games, um, well, I don't think I can see them finishing outside the top four or unless they get hit by injury. But they've certainly done everything right so far. Their bad games have been good, if that makes sense. Um, and while St Kilda's only lost two games by six points and seven points, um, their draw is very much better. It's almost like Collingwood's last year, St Kilda's draw, and looking at the way their draw is over the next 12 weeks, they've got a very favourable draw, St Kilda.
0: So after eight weeks, who 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 is the chicken basically suggesting is going to be the top four at the end of the year? Who do you think it's going to be, according to what you're seeing right oh, now? look,
1: I just can't see it changing a hell of a lot from last year. The only, I mean, look, I think Collingwood finished fifth last year and I haven't got it in front of me. But, look, to me, Melbourne, Brisbane are the two form teams. Geelong's coming. Collingwood, uh, sorry, uh, the, the form team, you've got them, Melbourne and Brisbane and you've got Geelong coming. But at the same time, I wouldn't write off Sydney just yet. And probably of the outsiders, well, maybe the Western Bulldogs. But I can't really see anyone getting anywhere near those four.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. Well, um, let's see how that unfolds uh, over, you know, the remaining rounds. Hey, um, yep. you know, in terms of, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about it, but, um, you know, we've talked about foot skills over the weekend's game. You know, is it time that coaches explain to spectators what they're trying to achieve with this messy pressure handball handball kind of game?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just cannot... It baffles me why the media don't ask the coach, what are you trying to achieve with this type of football? Because it's just so frustrating to watch. Um, Clearly, the best team in the competition, Collingwood, goes forward quickly, doesn't go round and round in circles very rarely. Or if they do flick a handball back, it goes straight forward the next one. They run and carry the football, and they put the ball out in front of their teammate. And it's just not happening. And, you know... The other big thing I'm disliking at the moment, watching games over the weekend, is this fake crowd noise from the broadcasters. Ah, oh, it does my head in. What is you this? You know, this over exaggerated ball when it's not the real crowd. It's just this fake crowd noise all the time. And uh, I can't stand it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's almost like canned laughter.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, spot on.
0: Mate, um, Buddy was getting a bit of a belting from the crowd. It It's sort of almost a little bit reminiscent of um, Adam Goods, you know, when he played for Sydney yeah you know
1: i I just don't understand why everyone has to keep going on and on about it because in today's news or clickbait stuff it goes away in 24 48 hours if there's no response and every day there's a response every day why city had to come out and say something just get on with the next game i mean the end of the day sometimes booing should be taken as a clap absolutely you know full-on it's not this racism rubbish everyone wants to raise it's just Everyone, some most of those people would be booing, would be doing it with tongue in cheek, laughing. They're yeah. just doing it as a joke. That's sort of right. Thing, so.
0: and, and next week That's they'll true. be booing because of the press it got.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the fact they've achieved something. Exactly.
0: Hey, um, mate, yourself, Wayne Carey, Nikki Winmar supposed to be in Alice Springs this weekend. What what happened there? I thought you were you were going on a bit of a tour. <laughs>
1: it's fair to say that got cancelled after, you know, the football's been cancelled full stop up there. And, um, yeah, there was meant to be a big weekend uh, been planned quite a while ago. And, uh, unfortunately, it got uh, changed to a date in June and then that got changed again. Now it's been cancelled. And uh, I know Nicky Winmar was supposed to be there last weekend, I think, but there was no football and it got cancelled. And, um, yeah, a lot of us were going up there to help kids and... uh, you know, focus and try and get over the whole, I guess, negativity that's going around in Alice Springs. It's a bit of a shame because it would have been a good weekend uh, to conduct a few footy clinics and stuff like that.
0: Have you got any, is there, is there any plan for it to to be given a new date or is it just in the air now?
1: No, it's not going to happen this year. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, I have read where the AFL are now considering moving the GWS Melbourne game from there, but that is just another smack in the cheek for young kids up there who are struggling at the moment with parents who are struggling and, you know, it needs some sort of incentive for these kids. And, you know, the worst thing you can do is take away something that was going to put a smile on their face and make them happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, an unfortunate
1: situation. The biggest thing that made me happy this week was the fact that the AFL have been smart enough, so is the federal government, so is Tasmanian football, been smart enough to have a 28,000-seat stadium. Do you know Why? Why? Because in Tasmania, everyone's got two heads, so that means 56000 will be paying. Chicken goes back.
0: Hold on. Oh, where is it, mate? Give me a minute. Oh, there we are.
1: There's our Bumtish.
0: There's Bumtish. Mate, boom-tish. that's the first time I brought that out in the chicken coop, I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, mate, they've all got two heads down there. So, uh, big shout-out to all our listeners in Tasmania. Um, hopefully, with the two heads, you're, uh, that might be why we're getting so many streams down there, mate.
1: That could be it. Yeah. Nah, it's a great place. So you actually love it. And I want to see this team succeed, but there's a lot of work to be done and it's not going to happen automatically. So I just hope they learn from the mistakes of GWS and Gold Coast Suns that just giving them great picks doesn't make a great football club.
0: No, you, you You've got
1: to, to have experienced people who know how to um, develop players and that's what the key is. in GWS and and Gold Coast Suns didn't have that initially. Um, I think Gold Coast Suns are probably more advanced than GWS at the moment, honestly, which would surprise some people. Um, I think they've got some great kids who are committed to the club. When Max King says, "I've got no interest in going somewhere next year other than the Gold Coast Suns," that says to me they're on the right track.
0: Yeah, mate. Is is there any kind of metric out there that you're aware of that they know, you know, in you know, populated parts of the country that per capita there's X amount of players that they get that become AFL-level players per capita, so per 1,000 per people or whatever it might be, but there's a metric out there, so they know if there's a population that's largely untapped by the AFL machine, there's, let's say there's a population of 200,000, they know that they're going to be able to get uh, you know, 15 or 20 or 25 AFL standard players out of that population on average. Do you know
1: if oh, that, that I, exists? No, no, that doesn't exist like that because you can have a club where five kids come out of the one team who play AFL and then that's, that's there could be a, 20 other clubs in the same competition and not one player comes out of it for 10 years. So there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just a little bit of luck and um, also just the development of kids and how they mature and... If you were a genius and knew how a twelve-year-old was going to be at twenty-two, well, that you'd be the greatest recruiting officer in Australia.
0: You know, with um, you know, with the the Americans over there, obviously, there's there's a lot of opportunity in terms of sport for athletic players that would be suitable for AFL in the states. But there's also a lot of people that don't quite make the cut in some of these big, you know, either the NBA or the you know the NFL or whatever yeah. it might be. You know, do we have? good pathways for recruitment over there for like, to bring more American uh, candidates no, the into problem, the country?
1: The problem with our game is that it's based on an oval ball that uh, you have to kick and handball. And they're two skills that aren't really in every other sport with, not with an oval ball anyway, like the oval ball in gridiron is only punted. That's it. It's thrown the rest of the time. It's not handball and it's only thrown forward. And you look at soccer, soccer, People, Eddie McGuire of all people said this to me, that the challenge facing AFL 15 years ago was if you've got two young kids, you throw a soccer ball at a kid, it bounces straight to him. If you throw a football to him, it bounces sideways, backwards, <laughs> forwards, you don't know. Yeah. And not knowing that predictability is very hard to you know, address skills at a very young age. And that's why soccer and basketball in particular are dominating in Australia as young kids because it's much easier to learn the game. And also, once you're learning the game, I've seen it with... Um, one of my partner Melissa's um, young nephews, who's who's very talented at basketball. He he just he's had a kick of footy with me, but he just loves basketball because he he can play the game already at a very young age. And football, he ha- he's still trying to master the skills.
0: Yeah, there's a bit more of a sharper learning curve to at least get into the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Hey, um,
0: mate, I don't know whether you've 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 seen this, but uh, the AFL Twenty Three game for the PS4, PS5 is being absolutely canned at the moment because it's so bugged. It's sitting on a 1.5 star review and mate, I also saw that um, it doesn't seem to have any of the big sort of legendary names in it like Ablett or Locket. What's going on there?
1: Uh, well, I think it speaks for itself. Is that, You know, people said to me, what about the names that are in it? Like half of them are not. nobody's just basically. I said, well that's because they have to pay them and that's because they're not going to get the great names on board because they've used their images over a long period of time and not rewarded them and done it without permission and I mean to their credit the AFL spoke to me probably five years ago the person who spoke to me is no longer there but to his credit he rang and said what was my opinion on these sort of uh, video games going forward and I said well you've got to reward the actual talent that's in it by paying them some form of royalty but it was interesting listening to a player on the radio other day who is involved in it he said oh, I was contacted by the AFL but nobody told me um, what I was going to get paid yet, and I still don't know what I'm getting paid. So yeah, right. that doesn't make up an excuse for the actual technology side of the game, etc. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I haven't seen exactly what's happened. I've only heard that it hasn't performed how it should.
0: Yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's apparently um, you know it's it's crashing. It's 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 barely yeah. playable. And um, you know, so it's uh, it's a real problem. I mean, the the AFL twenty three game for those platforms would really be a like a phenomenal way to to develop the brand and actually get people engaged in the sport because you know gaming's a huge market space.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know, young people today it's all about their phone and getting on multis and trying to win you know, put in a hundred dollars and win twelve thousand and, you know, the chances of you doing it are very, very slim, but that's the attraction to young people and, you know, betting's getting bigger and bigger in Australia and, and uh you know, you know, I don't know what the answer is to it. Um, and a lot of my friends run the betting businesses, and good luck to them. But um, yeah. at the end of the day, um, you know, I think the AFL needs to make sure that all their bases are covered on this sort of thing. And as I said, they started that process five years ago. I'm not sure they actually finished it off properly yet.
0: Yeah, well, mate it's it's been a uh, it's been a big week. We've got uh, we've got a couple of uh, big things happening over the next couple of days that we're going to talk about on our next episode. Hey, you got nothing more for us this week, Rick?
1: No, Swanee's playing down at Gormandale this week, um, down in Gippsland, so we're all travelling down there versus Hayfield um, at the Boneyard, which is one of the better names I've heard for a football ground. So Boneyard. At the Boneyard, yep, this Saturday, 2 o'clock, followed by a big sports night, hosted by the Chicken. Um, so all my friends down Gippsland way, get down there, it's going to be huge, and then the week after, rock to Shell Harbour in New South Wales, and then... We're heading over to Elliston Football Club, which is over near Port Lincoln in South Australia.
0: So it's toot toot. The chicken train
1: is going national.
0: (laughs) See you in the next episode, Ricky Nixon. Yes, mate.